welcome First Baptist Church to our Wednesday night Bible study on Ephesians, the example of a church, great church. And so we're ending up here in chapter 6. We're going to be looking at some different things here. It begins with the same idea that was carried over from the last chapter, and that is the idea of submission. And here it talks about children obeying your parents in the Lord, for this is right, to honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. I'm reading from the King James, but I am leaving off the mayest. I'm just saying may. I'm not reading from a different version. It is the King James, but I have a tendency sometimes to leave off the King James isms on there. Okay? And it doesn't change the meaning at all. Uh, we, because we don't say mayest, do we? But the idea of submission to God's authority is extended to children here. Children, obey your parents. That's, the God, that's God's design and will. Okay? It has a caveat also. Obeying authority never means doing wrong or evil, by the way. Uh, if your dad tells you to go rob a bank, I would not recommend it. Uh, you know, that's not what it's talking about here. Yeah, when it's, you know, your parents are doing right by you, obey them. Uh, not if, not if, because that, you know, that always comes up. People say, even if they tell me to do something wrong, what do you mean by wrong? You mean rob a bank, commit murder? Okay, yes, no. Don't do that. But if you're talking about they're trying to tell you which college to go to, <laughs> that's not in the Ten Commandments. Uh, sorry. Uh, so, and we have to balance that. Let's look. Let's hold our place and look back in Romans chapter 13, 3 and 4. Acts 13. Let's begin in verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whoso thereever resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and you shall have praise the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if you do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Government and these things are ordained of God. We have to understand that. This thing of disobeying authority in our generation is very misplaced. And it's a, it's a lack of understanding of the truth of God. Authorities that are there have been placed there. And I have to always be reminded of that and even remind myself sometimes. Uh, the person sitting in the, in the White House has not always been in agreement with me, but I treat him respectfully and always have, and I believe you should. Uh, disobedience uh, to authority rebe is rebellion, and rebellion, it is said in First Samuel fifteen twenty three. 
actually is connected to witchcraft. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And so it is demonically influenced. Uh, disobedient spirit is connected with the people of the last times in 2 Timothy 3, 2. And in Romans 30, with a reprobate mind. So when we look at disobedience to authority, we must say the Bible says this is a demonic influence and also results of reprobation. Enough said. Uh, so we as Christians must set an example by our obedience to government. Now, I saw under, I won't name what president, a president not too long hence uh, where people spoke horribly about this president on Facebook. And I wasn't in agreement with his policies, but I had to remind many a Christian and many a Facebook follower of mine, you, at least to me, please do not disrespect the office of president. You may disagree without being disagreeable, and you may do it respectfully, because he is the authority that God placed there. And if it's to punish us, then it's to punish us. But, you know, we have to always remember that. Governments are ordained of God, and we must obey those in authority. Um, but the commandment of obedience to parents promises long life, peacefulness, and wellness. Uh, we should love our parents and obey them and honor them. Now, honoring them has to do with your life, the way you live your life, the way you are in your life, with your faith, with your testimony before the world. And we should honor our father and mother by how we live how we live for God. Uh, this is the commandment. And we are responsible, the responsibility then of authorities. Verse 4, look at this. But the authority has responsibility too. And fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. And you can use that about the government. Government, please don't, don't provoke Christians and godly people to wrath either. Don't provoke people to wrath, and, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, not to provoke those you're responsible for. Okay? Don't provoke them. Uh, don't be heavy-handed. Remember the story in the Old Testament of Rehoboam? How many remember that story? The fellow who followed Solomon. And he came to his, the people who consulted with his, his counselors. And they said, what, he said, what should we do? What should I do? And the counselor said, you know, Solomon was very heavy-handed on the people. He demanded a lot of the people. It wouldn't hurt to back off and let a few things go, right? He said, ease up. What did Rehoboam do? He listened to the young counselors who said, no, don't back up. Be more heavy-handed than your father. He did that, and what did it do to Israel? It split the kingdom in two. Ten tribes to the north, two tribes to the south, and split the kingdom. Because why? He was heavy-handed. He was dictatorial. And when you're dictatorial, you make people resent your authority. I pray as a pastor, I've never done that, although I know I did a few years. As your pastor, I pray I never do that. We should look, all pastors should look down at verses 5 through 9. Let's read that. Sir, then, then servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but with service of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. 
with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man does, the same should be received of the Lord, whether he be bond, slave, or free. And you master do the same thing unto them for forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Sixty percent of the world lay in slavery at that time. And so what he says here is servants obey your masters, but masters you take care of those servants and treat them respectfully. Isn't that something? Uh, we hear a lot about the issue today, but a lot of the world was in slavery. And we have responsibilities. Uh, if we could look in Colossians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Colossians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch the same with thanksgiving. So, here you are. You see what, what the scripture says. And then let's look on over to uh, Titus. Titus is right after Timothy. I hope. Uh, it is Titus 2.9. Exhort servants to be obedient to their masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. So you see instructions are given both to masters and to servants uh, about such things. And uh, masters, have, uh, masters have a master. And they're accountable. I just preached a sermon on accountability. Uh, they're accountable. They are accountable. Our obedience to authorities mirrors our obedience to Jesus. There you have it. Now, having said all that, we get into the next portion of the chapter. Talking, and we, we touched on it last time, the spiritual battle we're in. Boy, we're in one in the world. Brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of his, his might. It says... In 1 John, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And then it says, look on down verse 12, We are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, and that means even government places. We're wrestling against a great enemy. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the tricks and the way the devil works. Devi uh, Paul calls it also devices. Uh, Paul says we're not ignorant of his devices. We, we understand how he works. Uh, I've seen it so much through the years in my ministry that I can recognize it. It takes some years, but you can recognize it. And you know exactly when Satan's operating. You say that's, and they'll be. You hear people talking about something or in the church and say, it's, "Hey, folks, it's the devil." I've seen this before. You know, uh, you you know exactly. Paul, so Paul had seen that, and he said, "I'm not ignorant of, of his devices. I know the techniques, the way he works, uh, and he does. One of the things we know he does, he twists scripture." He uses people's weaknesses against them. Um, he uses innuendo. 
a lot of things, we see a lot of techniques and things that Satan uses. And certainly, if we're going to stand against the attacks of the devil, we're going to have to understand that. Uh, take unto you the whole armor of God. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Now, what is needed for the battle? First of all, God's strength. doesn't matter. We've got to have the armor plus God's strength and plus verse 18. What? We've got to have his, uh, his we've got to have prayer. We've got to have prayer. So, knowing that, we are in this battle. 1 Peter 5.8 says, The devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we must enter this battle, verse 10, fed spiritually. How do we get fed? On his word. And not just fed, but praying. We are fed by the word of God. We are strengthened by the word of God. Jesus was confronted with the devil, and what did he use? Word of God. He replied every time with the word of God. We need to be proficient in the Word. We need to know the Word to be able to respond. You cannot respond to the devil unless you know the Word. We're in the spiritual battle. We're soldiers. 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, we have been called to be a soldier. We must please Him who has called us to be a soldier. Now, Paul was trying to write this. Paul had experienced some of that satanic... uh, fighting in his ministry. Paul even said at one point, we would have been there, but Satan prevented us. You know. Uh, pray that the Word of God will have, will be able to have free course and Satan won't uh, stop it. Uh, Paul looked around. He said, how am I going to tell these people about the, the armament we need in this battle? And every day, Paul saw a Roman soldier. A Roman soldier protected him. A Roman soldier watched over him. Uh, he saw the march and in the streets and all around every day. And he began to look at a Roman soldier and all the things that he had and realized here is a great example of what we, the armament we need. Uh, First of all, he says that we may be able to stand against the wiles and trickery of the devil. And we understand, verse 12, that our opposition is somewhat veiled and not clearly seen. Does everybody understand that? That sometimes the devil is in a haze. He's not clearly seen. As a matter of fact, he tries to be. His part, his biggest thing is deception. He tries not to be seen out in the forefront. They talk about the devil running around in a red union suit. Well, he doesn't, he wouldn't, the devil would wear camouflage. He doesn't want to be seen. If he was going to pick a color, he'd be camo. He doesn't want to be seen. He wants to blend in. Just a face in the crowd. And he's veiled. He's behind the scenes. But the belt was the start of everything. You had to put on the belt first. It held the clothes together. It held up all the weaponry on it, and it was the truth of the Word of God. It's just taking you a whole armor of God that you may be able to stand 
In the evil day, verse 13, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth. The belt of truth. We start with the Word of God. First piece of equipment. It holds everything else together. Think about it. We start with the Word of God, the belt. The belt of truth. But then the Word of God, so the Word of God is used here twice, the sword and the belt. The Word of Truth and then the, the, uh, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we, we, we get a lot of the Word of God, amen? The breastplate of righteousness, this is truth in action or faithfulness. It protects us from its arrows and attacks. If we are, have our life cleansed and we are truth in action, we're serving faithfully, it protects us from a lot of arrows and attacks. If you're following Jesus, let me just put it this way, you don't end up in places you shouldn't be. The sharing of the gospel takes us in the right direction. And it says here, your feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel. The gospel takes us, sharing the gospel takes us in the right places. Next is the shield of faith. And it will protect us when all else fails us from his from the systematic and constant barrage of attacks that are sent our way. We have this shield of faith. Faith always protects us. Remember that. And the sword of the Spirit, it mentions here. Uh, verse 17, the, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Well, salvation is the Holy Spirit. It protects our mind and heart from Satan. Satan can influence us, but listen to me about this. He can never control our mind or heart. He can never get there. He can influence our mind, but he can't control. We have to always remember that. Thank God. And so we have the helmet of salvation. It's protecting the heart and mind from Satan. He can never control that part of us. The sword of the Spirit. It is a double-edged sword. The book of Hebrews tells us that. A two-edged sword, it's called in Hebrews. And it will slice you up. If you're studying it to get for it, say, I want to know what God has for me. Whew, he will slice you up with it. It'll go to the innermost parts. It'll tell you what's wrong with you. It'll, it'll get things right. It'll make you, empower you, and strengthen you to fight and stand for God. Well, assuming we've got it all the armament on, what do we need next? Well, we got it. We don't need anything. We've got the strength of the Lord. We've got all the armament. We've got the Word of God. Well, wait a minute. We need direction from the commander, don't we? Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Verse 18. That's part of the, our, of the weaponry, too. Praying always with prayer and supplication. We're communicating with headquarters. Supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. There you go. And we come really to the ending here of the book of Ephesians. Stand against all the attacks with perseverance. Hold on. Reminded of that uh, movie, The uh, Longest Day with John Wayne, maybe you know it, about the Normandy invasion. And there was a Scottish soldier and commandos holding a bridge 
And his orders were hold and to relieve. And they held that bridge. And you remember it as they were reinforcing them and he was being relieved. The words came back to him, hold until relieved. Folks, we are to hold and to relieve in our faith. Satan's going to come against us. Satan's going to oppose us and come against us. But we, as believers, have to hold and to relieve. Amen? We do. Be on guard, be watchful for your adversary. The devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Remember the older lion's... Roared to chase the prey into the younger lions. So, as somebody has said, and truthfully said, we should actually run to the roar, run to the battle. And you'll, what, you, what you will find is a toothless enemy. In the power of Christ, his authority, his power has been stripped. And we have the authority of Christ, amen, and the power of the Word of God, amen, and the power of God through the Holy Spirit, amen. Run to the battle. Don't run away from the battle. Run to the battle. It ends this book, verse 23, lastly with a sincere warning. Remember we started off by talking about the church at Ephesus. And I would encourage you at the end of this study, go to the book of Revelation and see what it says to the church of Ephesus. And all through the book, one word has been very carefully woven chapter after chapter after chapter. I believe it's in every chapter. And it's in this one. The word love. And it ends in verse 23. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we end our book that way, talking about love. Lastly, this is grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Written from Rome unto the Ephesians by Tychius. There you have it. So, we end kind of where we started. Been a good Bible study. Hope you've enjoyed it. God bless you. Let's close in a final moment of prayer. Lord, thank you for the book of Ephesians. It's been a good study. And Lord, just help us now as we go forward from this study. Lord, we thank you for the time we've had together here. First Baptist Church, Lord, thank you for giving me the year of my ministry that I've had here. Lord, bless us all, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.